0: Hey, true crime fans! Before I get started today, I wanted to let you know about something I have going on outside of this podcast. Not all of you know, or maybe you do, that I'm also a private mentor and group mentor for people who are seeking to improve their self worth and how they how they view themselves, how they talk to themselves, how they view life, and how they view their goals and how attainable they are, what their life is like, and if they can make it better, and all sorts of things like that, and. Right now, starting August 4th, I actually have a program called Show Up for Your Self-Worth, where for eight weeks, we will meet in a small container. It will be a maximum of eight women. We will be meeting once a week via Zoom to talk about various affirmations. The first two to three, possibly four weeks are going to be going over the two affirmations, I deserve love and I love myself. And through those, we are going to be building the foundation of what it really takes to get what you desire out of your life, because it all starts with loving yourself and knowing and understanding that you deserve love from others and what exactly that love looks like. Then from there, we will be going on to various affirmations, such as I am proud of myself. I feel that I live a fulfilled life and I am happy. There's a few that I've left out, obviously, since this is eight weeks long, However, if this sounds like something you would like to do, again, we meet once a week over Zoom all together, and then you actually do have two private one-on-one sessions with me as well. So if show up for your self-worth is something that sounds like it's a good fit for you, please hit me up in DMs on Instagram at either Murder and Mediumship or Catherine Ann Intuitive, and I would love to chat more about that. So now to what you have come here to listen to. Caitlin Aikens was born on September 2, 1996. While she was born in Goshen, Indiana, she was raised in Springfield, Virginia for most of her life with her younger sister, Gabby. Her mom, Lisa Sullivan, was never married to her girl's father, but did marry James Branton while her girls were still fairly small. When Caitlin was around 11 or 12 years old, her best friend Amber moved to Arizona with her family. The girl stayed in touch, and when Caitlin turned 18, she packed up and moved to Arizona to be closer to Amber. Caitlin was very intelligent and so, so motivated, and she actually graduated from high school at age 16 after combining her junior and senior year so that she could graduate early. I'd like to say that this is something that I could have done, but I don't know that my attention span would have allowed for it, but what I wouldn't have given to have been out of high school early, right? I'm sure so many of you can agree to that. So when she reached the age of legal adulthood, she was eager to reunite with Amber, and whether it was before the move or after, Amber and Caitlin developed more of a romantic relationship than friendship and ultimately ended up getting engaged to each other. Caitlin's family couldn't have been happier for her as they knew how happy Amber made Caitlin. In November of 2015, Caitlin's younger sister, Gabby, gave birth to her first child, Landon. Caitlin was in the process of starting cosmetology school in Arizona and needed her high school diploma to finish her entrance application. So when that lined up with the birth of her first nephew, she could think of no better reason to go home for a short visit. While home, Caitlin hung out with some old friends from high school and gushed over her new baby nephew. And family was so important to Caitlin. Her move across the country to Arizona didn't change any of that. She spoke to her mom and sister multiple times a day and texted them nonstop. They both describe Caitlin as an outgoing and motivated person with a wonderful personality who's very connected to family. I know that I message my mom and sister probably 15,000 times a day, and I'm convinced that my mom has a special ringtone that goes off that says, oh shit, Catherine's calling or something like that because I call her so often, living so far away from her. As I said, though, her trip back to Virginia was a very short one. She arrived on December 1st and was due to leave on December 5th, back to Arizona to start a cosmetology school on the 7th of December, for which she could not have been more excited. The morning of the 5th, a Saturday, Caitlin's mom had to work at 10 a.m., so she arranged with James, Caitlin's now ex-stepfather, to take Caitlin to Reagan National Airport in the D.C. area. Her flight was set to leave at 5 p.m., and James had to be to work by 3 p.m. in Dahlgren, Virginia roughly 50 miles from the airport, so he was going to drop her off around one. There are conflicting stories of Caitlin's relationship with James. I have read that she wasn't too fond of him and that they got along all right and it wasn't a big deal for her to be dropped off at her place before the airport. Intuitively, I feel she was grateful for the ride and knew her mom had to work, so she wasn't going to make a stink over it because she really didn't have much of a choice. He was around for the majority of Caitlin's childhood and really took on the role as being their dad. However, I don't really think that that means that he was a great dad, okay? He stayed in touch with the girls after the divorce, but according to many, he was depressed and angry a lot of the time following the divorce. Lisa, Caitlin's mom, was interviewed on many podcasts and even Investigation discoveries disappeared, stating that James was verbally abusive but never would have laid a hand on the girls. She never would have dropped Caitlin off with him if she knew what James, that James could hurt her. Now I want to take a second and speak to that because if you guys have listened to other episodes with me, you know that things that concern abuse, especially domestic abuse like this, they really, really catch my heart. I do not believe that there, and this is just my opinion, and I am not a doctor. I'm not trying to give anyone advice about abusive relationships whatsoever. But in my experience, in my personal experience, verbal abuse, there's a very fine line between that explosive anger behind verbal abuse and physical abuse. I don't believe that anyone who is verbally abusive to their significant other or to that person's children really has much of a leg to stand on when it's said, Oh, I don't think they would hurt anyone. They were only verbally abusive. I call bullshit there, but I digress. Caitlin never flew out to Reagan that day, never flew out of Reagan that day or any days thereafter. No one has seen her or heard from her other than a few cryptic texts and Facebook messages that are shrouded in doubt as to whether or not they even were Caitlin behind those messages. The last person to have seen her would have been James Branton, and he isn't saying anything at all. Around 8.30 a.m., Caitlin was dropped off by her mom at James's home. According to The Freelance Star, a small Fredericksburg, Virginia publication, Caitlin was excitedly telling her stepdad all about her plans for school and her dreams of what she would do with her cosmetology license. As most mothers would, Lisa reminded Caitlin to call her when she got to the airport and let her know when she was boarding the plane. Lisa never got a phone call, though. Instead, she got a text a few hours later from James letting her know that Caitlin was dropped off, to which Lisa inquired how traffic was, and James told her it wasn't too bad. That was it. A few minutes later, a text from Caitlin saying, I'm at the airport. A text, not a phone call. Battery's dying, so won't be able to text for a bit. Which I find so peculiar because if you are on your way into the airport and you're going to be traveling all day, especially halfway across the country, wouldn't you make sure your phone was charged and wouldn't you have brought something to charge it with? I understand this is a few years ago, but even then, I'm pretty sure there were charging places all over airports, especially Reagan. So around 7.15, when Caitlin was supposed to be, this is PM, when Caitlin was supposed to be in the air and route to Arizona, Lisa received two texts from Caitlin's phone saying, staying with a friend. And then the second one said, I need some time alone. Being that this is very strange, I mean, she was supposed to be flying at this point. Lisa tried to call her daughter immediately. The way Lisa explains it in the show disappeared is that she pulled right over. She pulled over. She was driving. She pulled over to make the phone call but her call went straight to voicemail. So she texted her, call me. I'm very worried about you. And around the same time that Caitlin had messaged her mom through her phone number, she also messaged her fiance, Amber, but this time via Facebook messenger. She said, I can't come back. I cheated on you. And this just raises so many questions, right? So Branton's story changes slightly now, and he says that he didn't drop Caitlin off actually directly at the airport, but that she has to go to the Springfield Mall, a mall she had never been to before, and then he gave her $20 to take the metro to the airport from there. Immediately, Lisa doesn't like this story, as she says Caitlin hadn't taken the the metro since she was very small and wouldn't know how to use it and wouldn't be comfortable doing that on her own. Two days after she disappeared, her luggage was found by a road crew worker. The luggage was in a drainage ditch, her blue suitcase, 44 miles away from the metro station. It was in rough condition as well, with one wheel missing and scuff marks on it. It appeared that it had been thrown from a moving vehicle. The contents were also alarming. The blue suitcase contained her wallet, cash, debit cards, and her plane ticket home, which confirmed she never went to the airport the Lisa already knew this as the airport had confirmed that her daughter never checked in for her flight. Two weeks after she had disappeared and after hundreds of calls from her sister and mom and everyone else in her family going straight to voicemail, James never called her once, by the way. Her phone records were finally released to police, and as it would turn out, her phone never pinged at the airport or even at the metro station. Even more interestingly, James's car was never seen at the Springfield Mall, at the airport, or at the metro station either. His phone was pinging near his home when he was supposedly texting from near the airport, again, about 50 miles away, that's 5-0, and hers was pinging 30 miles away from the metro station when Caitlin was allegedly messaging her mom and fiancé about being at the airport, both of which say even the style of texting was unlike Caitlin's and had them concerned from the very beginning. And by style of texting, I mean, I'm one who sends like message after message after message, because believe it or not, I can never get my thought out straight. And um, I use a ton of emojis and, and ellipses like all the time, dot dot dot, 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 everything. I text very much how I speak. Uh, my sister, on the other hand, will send one long, very thought out message with full punctuation. She's an English teacher, full punctuation and everything like that. My mom, Overuses exclamation marks in a way that I just love so much. You can always really hear how she's saying something via text. And my husband, if he ever sent me more than three lines, I would assume someone kidnapped him and had him at gunpoint because he's like a two-word texter, right? So by texting style, that's what they mean. And Caitlin's mom even says in an interview that she's not a string texter. She calls it where you get one then the other. So when her phone texted them at 7.15 that night, those two messages in succession, it pinged off a cell phone tower only 15 miles away from where her luggage was found in Fredericksburg, Virginia, which again is a long way away from Reagan National Airport for sure. James refused a polygraph on advice of his attorney after agreeing agreeing to take one in the first place. He has since been very uncooperative with police and has all but disappeared from the investigation. The initial search of his home showed no evidence of Caitlin ever having been there, which is concerning in my opinion, as she was definitely there. Lisa dropped her off there, she went inside, we all know she was there. So how could all evidence of her being there be gone? Detectives took DNA samples, electronics, among other things from his home, but according to law enforcement, he isn't a suspect and hasn't been tied to her disappearance. And if you think his version of events isn't already strange enough with the story of With the story flipping and the cell phone pinging, he didn't even show up to work that day. He said he had to drop Caitlin off at the airport early so that he could get to work in Dahlgren, and he didn't show up to work for six months after her disappearance. I'm not sure if he took a leave of absence. I couldn't find too much information on this, but he stopped cooperating with the police. He lawyered up and essentially disappeared for six whole months after Caitlin vanished into thin air. And while he did turn his phone over excuse me, his phone over. My goodness. Well, he did turn his phone over. He refused to supply them with the password. So in doing so, they have been unable to access his phone. It's completely encrypted and it runs on a completely different operating system. It's not like Android or iOS. He put his own operating system on it. He's very, very tech savvy. Well, we're going to pause for a moment. Did you know that Murder and Mediumship has a Patreon? You can find it at patreon.com slash Intuitive, or check the show notes for a link. At just the lowest tier of membership, each member has access to a weekly oracle card with insight into the coming week, as well as a video about the energy for the entire month ahead. Outside of this kick-ass podcast, I also help people to connect to their own self-worth through private or group mentorship. So it's only fitting that at the lowest tier of the patron community, you also have access to weekly journaling prompts to encourage you to grow in your understanding and connection to self through weekly reflection. Other members have access to multi-self-care workshops, interviews with victims or perps from the show, who are, of course, on the other side, and even private monthly readings, all at a discounted price to what it costs to book through my website, For like a one-off type thing. So check the show out on Patreon and thank you listeners as always for supporting the show. And speaking of the show, let's get back to it. Now what I think happened has a little to do with some events that occurred while Caitlin was home hanging out with a old friend of hers. According to her friend and ex-boyfriend, Kevin... She had messaged him, telling him about how she was hanging out with this friend of hers and the friend's boyfriend when things got weird. And supposedly, the boyfriend got Caitlyn really drunk and started kissing her, and then so did his girlfriend, Caitlyn's friend. This eventually led to all of them having sex, and Caitlyn felt super guilty about this and cried all night over it. And this is actually what she was—what was being referenced. I, I don't know that it was her actually sending the message. I don't believe that it was actually. So this is what was being referenced, though, when she told her fiance Amber, that she had cheated on her and couldn't come back. Kevin also reveals that Caitlin had told him previously about verbal abuse from James, but never disclosed anything physical or otherwise. Here's what I think. And every time I say that, and just in reading over my notes and feeling into this over and over, when I hear him talking about how – Kevin, that is – talking about how Caitlin admitted to there being – verbal abuse, but never physical or anything else, I get like, I shudder because they really feel that there was other forms of abuse. And like I said earlier, I think it's very often that where you have one, you have the other and not always, but I think it's pretty common. So here's what I think. I feel Caitlin showed up to her stepdads after Lisa left and it got weird. I do think that they talked about what happened the other day to some degree because James knew that... Caitlin had had an affair, unless he was in her phone looking at messages, which could also be possible because he was super tech savvy. But regardless, I think it got really weird after Lisa left, and I don't feel that James, Excuse me, that James was as comfortable with her being out of the closet as the rest of her family was. I feel that he came onto her in a way of kind of like I'm gonna fix her type of way, and I think when she shot him down with such disgust and confusion. He knocked her down and took advantage of her. And if this is your first episode of Murder and Mediumship, then please know that any specific details are never shared here because you never know who would hear this. And if a family member or a friend of hers were to listen, I just know I wouldn't want to hear things like this about my loved one. So that being said, I will only say that I believe he raped her and I feel that she was strangled. I can feel her airway being cut off and I feel this was done out of a fit of rage as well. I do also feel, as I say that, and I didn't feel this before, but I feel it now kind of like a warmth trickling from like the top corner of the corner of my head because we have square heads from like up by the temple. So I feel this was done out of a fit of rage. And once it was done, I can't tell how he got her out of the house, but it feels like a trash bag or something that cinches shut that would be like a trash bag. And it feels that that item was then placed inside of something else to make it easier to carry. I believe she was dead within an hour or so of her mom leaving her at his place. I believe that one other person knows what her stepdad did, and that person will not spill the beans on him, but that Caitlin's physical body is somewhere nearby where that person is. And that person didn't help physically, but she does have knowledge that James was hiding something nearby. And I do believe that she is buried somewhere on that third party's property, very, very nearby it. And there is a relation to James there. Further, I feel that the property hasn't been investigated at all. Not that they don't necessarily know about it, but that it hasn't been investigated. And it will be in years to come. I do feel that it will be possibly as long as like 10 years or so from now, though. It doesn't feel like it's in the very near future to me, unfortunately. Now, the encryption on the cell phone, that I actually feel isn't completely related to Caitlin's disappearance. With that, I feel there's some, quote, bad business on his phone, and it feels that it could be related to child pornography, something of that caliber, something completely inappropriate and sexual. But again, this is my psychic impression. I would venture to say that the call he made to the person we were just referencing That would obviously be on his phone, but they could see that through logs. Like I said, though, I do believe she will be found and that it is literally a waiting game of time for this third party to to no longer be in the way. Lisa stays in touch with detectives about once a week via text to check in about her daughter's case. And recently, a billboard was erected on the same route that James drives to work in Dahlgren, Virginia, so that he may see it. On it is Caitlin's photo and information pertaining to where she was last seen, as well as who to call with any information. Lisa is quoted by the freelance star as saying, I'm hoping he sees it every day and thinks about it every day. It is her hope that the people he works with will see it as well and whisper around the office and make him even more uncomfortable. The entire family is convinced that James either had something to do with Caitlin's disappearance or at the very least knows more than he is letting on. And I think one day you won't have a choice but to own up to what he has done. And it, I wanna say this too, because it's League Spirit is really putting this on me heavy right now. While I was um, while I was researching, I like to cross reference what I get with other psychics who have also felt into a lot of these cases have been felt felt into by other intuitives and it's i don't want to say it's really cool but it's it's fascinating would be a better word to see what i feel and see has been seen by others and the details can be so trippy sometimes so because what we're seeing is so real and it can be mocked by others but i know what we see. And I think it's very valuable information. And I think that down the road, intuitive people could be used a lot more effectively by law enforcement. So regardless, I, as I also heard in another intuitive's take on this case, keep seeing a necklace as well. And she had seen this too. I believe her name is Dark Rose. You should definitely check her out on YouTube. And she was talking about this necklace that was left behind. And i I also feel that she wasn't sure exactly on what the um, what the necklace, what its significance was. But I feel that it's something that he took from her after he strangled her. And I can see him putting it in his pocket. I think he pocketed it and I think he kept it. So he has that as a trophy somewhere. And I do believe that that is something that is going to really hook, line and sinker get him. I don't. I I do know why I would say that it wasn't found. I was going to say that I don't know why, but then I got a flash of it as well. I feel that it's something that he hid with her or nearby her for the time being when the investigation was a lot more heated. But now that law enforcement is more off of his tail, so to speak, I believe that it is back in his possession and it will be part of what gets him in trouble. Regardless if you or anyone you know if you know anything about this case or about Caitlin's disappearance or who may have been involved, please don't hesitate to call the Virginia State Police or the FBI and get a hold of the detective in charge of her case. With that being said, my friends, my loves, my true crime fans, don't get murdered. And I'll see you next time. We'll need a response. Yeah, Copy, you